Hello, you're listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Wadsworth, Ohio. Join us this Lent as we explore the theme of community. You can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Facebook and YouTube for worship, or listen here for the scripture and sermon. We hope you find it meaningful. Today's scripture is about God's covenant with Noah from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 to 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. May God bless the reading and the hearing of God's holy word. I've been thinking a lot about community this week in particular. I've had conversations with some of you in our congregation who have expressed an eagerness to get back together and worship in person. And I know with some of you vaccinated now, um, and I know the serious toll that it has been taking on being a part in our communal life, but also in our spiritual life. I've also heard from others who long to be together, but are urging caution, as Shelby prayed for us this morning about that significant milestone, the tragic milestone that we passed this week of the over 500,000 who have died. I had a phone call with another church member this week and we talked about that and she expressed what a profound sense of grief it is, not only for those lives lost, but to simply imagine how many lives they touched, the millions and millions of people who are grieving. What all of these conversations have brought home to me this week is our fundamental need for human community. Dr. Matthew Lieberman, who's a neuroscientist at UCLA, has spent two decades studying brain activity when people are talking or hugging or solving math problems or just sitting alone. And what he has discovered is that our default network in our brain is primed for social connection. Whenever we finish doing some kind of non-social thinking activity, our brain automatically primes itself for social interaction. 
His conclusion, that we are built to be social creatures. But just because we're hardwired for social connection and community doesn't mean we always do a great job of creating healthy, thriving environments and communities to live in. The question that I want us to explore today is how do we make decisions about what is best for the community? How do we come together to create communities that can protect and uplift each other? We heard the insights of two members of our community this morning at the beginning of our worship service. Daniel Slife, the director of our Wadsworth Local Library, who, by the way, continues to seek innovative ways to foster community in our area. He reminded us that when we lift up others in our community, we actually help ourselves. David Harris also talked about the division that we see in our world right now and the, cli the climate of, um, of separation and pain and a desire but also a hope that leaders and community members can come together to have courageous conversations that don't ignore the problems in our midst but talk about them openly so that we can learn better how to listen to each other, to dialogue, and to work together for positive change. I will come back to both of those important insights later on because I think they contain some very important truths about how we come together as community. But now I wanna turn our attention to some important insights from our scriptures that talk about this idea of covenant. Shelby did a great job of explaining that to all of us with the 10 best ways. What do our sacred stories teach us about how to come together as community through this understanding of covenant? Now last week, as we began our series on community, we began in the beginning, right? With the creation of the world, the creation of humankind, Pastor Shelby reminded us that when God created the world and all living creatures, that God created not just one human being, but two, because it was not good for them to be alone, that they needed each other. And God looked upon all of this creation the birds of the air and the creatures on the land and the depths of the sea, the plants and the flowering trees and the humans made in God's image and declared that all of it was good. So it's important to, to note at the very beginning that God's plan for community has always been for it to flourish and grow in goodness. Now we're gonna fast forward a little bit now into Genesis 6. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to read along with me. Genesis 6 verses 11 through 13. It's the beginning of the story of Noah and the ark. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, said the scriptures, and the earth was filled with violence. 
And God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence, and now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. This beautiful community that God had created to flourish was now corrupt and full of violence, we are told. And the scriptures also tell us that God was deeply grieved by this. For this was not how God intended it to be. Now, I'm going to admit to you that there is a lot about this story that I don't understand and I still wrestle with. But when I think about the violence that human beings have wrought on one another and on the earth throughout all of human history, I think to myself, how can we not grieve? Who wouldn't want to put an end to violence and corruption and evil? Who wouldn't long for a clean slate and a fresh start? For me, the glimmer of hope in this story comes in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. And God remembered Noah and all the animals in the ark. The good news is that God does not abandon humanity. Despite all of the evil things we've done to one another, God refuses to give up on us and on this vision of community. Now the story of the flood continues, sorry, concludes with this creation of the very first covenant between God and the earth. Reading again from our scriptures, God says, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds. Now there are a couple of really striking elements in this first covenant that are different from many of the later covenants we see in the scriptures. One is that this covenant is made not just between God and God's people, but with all of creation, with the entire earth. The second difference is that this is actually a one-sided covenant. Typically, covenant agreements include obligations from both parties. We see this in the covenant that Moses and the people of Israel made with God at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. God promises to be with them, to bring them to the promised land, and they in turn promise to abide by the commandments, to love God and their neighbors. But in the covenant of Noah, this first covenant, notice that it is only God who makes the promise. Nothing is asked in return. But to me, I think what is most striking of all is that God makes this promise and enters into this covenant despite the fact that God just admitted in verse 21 
that the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. So even though God knows that we humans are still going to continue to struggle and at times fail to come together as this beautiful and loving community that God intended, that God will not desert us. Now, if you've read past the verses from today, you know that Noah and his family didn't waste any time in proving God right on this score. The first thing that Noah did after leaving the ark was get drunk, and on the same night, his son got into trouble for acting shamefully towards his father. The history of humanity reveals a history of broken covenants. The covenant with Abraham, where God promises to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Only Abraham and Sarah got a little impatient that God wasn't moving things along fast enough for them. So they take matters into their own hands. Sarah proposes that Abraham bear children by Hagar, her Egyptian servant. God's plan was for Sarah to bear children, which she eventually did, and they had their son, Isaac. Of course, there's a scene from today that we heard about the Ten Commandments. You may remember that while Moses was still on the mountain, still in that cloud of God's presence, that the people were even less patient and came up with a plan to fashion a golden calf that they could worship before he even had a chance to make it down the mountain. I, don't, I won't take time now to review all of the covenants, how long it took before they were broken, but I do want to draw our attention to all of the books in the Hebrew scriptures known as the prophets. I'm sure many of them are familiar to you already. Hosea, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Micah. Essentially, it was the job of the prophets to remind the people of the covenant promises that they had made before God, to point out where they were failing to uphold their end of the bargain, and to call on them to change, to repent, to return to their God. It's interesting to note that much of the time they are being taken to task for the ways in which they have failed to defend the poor, give justice to the needy, and crush the oppressor. The plan for God's good community, the goal of covenant, is always the same, to establish shalom, or wholeness and peace, in which all members of the community can contribute to the common good. Now, I realize that that can start to sound a little bit abstract and divorced from reality, maybe even a little bit pie-in-the-sky fantasy. Given the reality of our human brokenness, is it really possible to come together to bring about healing and growth and beauty and flourishing. 
Well, I want to share with you a story that I learned about very recently. I was watching a documentary by the name of Antidote. It tells stories about communities all over the country who are seeking to be exactly these kinds of communities, of coming together across differences for healing and flourishing. There are a lot of great stories, but the one I want to tell you today is about a place called Bridge Meadows. Bridge Meadows is a foster community made up of foster children, their adoptive families, and older adults, seniors. There was an article published by the Portland Tribune that interviewed some of these seniors who live there. They get reduced rent in exchange for giving volunteer hours to support the foster children and their adoptive families. And all of them live together in a complex. So this is what the article shared. The cookie lady is in the house. That's how Estelle Winnicki is referred to by the kids at Bridge Meadows apartment complex in North Portland. They know they can knock on her door and there will always be cookies available to them at her kitchen table. One 10-year-old girl just likes to come over and sit, sometimes eating cookies, sometimes not, sometimes talking, sometimes not. The kids at Bridge Meadows are all children being adopted out of the foster care system. So they've experienced trauma of one kind or another. And Winnicki is happy to provide them a place to just decompress if that's what they need. Just two blocks away is Columbia Pool. And when Nikki has been taking two of the Bridge Meadow children there and teaching them how to swim. What's especially nice about that, she says, is that the swim lessons don't feel like a volunteer effort, but just a normal part of the day. She's found at Bridge Meadows more than an affordable retirement home, although the rent at $550 a month is certainly a blessing, but she's found the very thing that might help her live longer and with more vitality. She says, it gives me purpose. Every time I walk out the door and I talk with somebody, it's like, what can I give them that will help them? The same is true for another resident at Bridge Meadows, Mary J. Mary tutors 12-year-old Reba and 10-year-old Lydia, who live with their mom a few doors down. Sometimes Mary babysits. Last week, the four of them drove to Cannon Beach to spend the day together. Mary used to be a teacher at the local elementary school, which was on the block where Bridge Meadows now resides. After retirement, Mary needed a way to feel useful, but she never thought she'd find it right in her own apartment complex. Perhaps my favorite story is about Juanita Rivera-Losh. 
Juanita is the community's oldest resident at age 93. A one-time teacher, she now hosts writing workshops where she helps the adult residents, encourages them to try their hand at poetry, and teaches Spanish to some of the children who share her Hispanic background. It is a far cry from the isolated retirement she faced in Lake Oswego's apartments just a few years before. She is convinced that herself and the seniors that live at Bridge Meadows will live longer and healthier. She sees when new residents arrive that they kind of bloom, she says. The doctors who see them have also noticed a change. They've seen lower blood pressures, better health outcomes. A doctor and geriatrician named Dr. Elizabeth Ekstrom is studying communities across the globe that help seniors to live healthy and meaningful and productive lives. And Bridge Meadows is just one of the places that she is studying. When I think about this community of Bridge Meadows, it is just one example of how out of the brokenness of humanity, brokenness of children who've been victims of abuse and neglect, brokenness of seniors who don't have enough money for decent housing and whose health and well-being have suffered from being isolated and undervalued. How in the midst of that brokenness, people can come together to build a healthier and stronger and more loving community for all. It's a great example of what Daniel Slife said in our video, how in helping someone else, we are helped. It is covenant community as it was meant to be. There was one more model of covenant community that I want to leave you with today. It's the community that David Harris talked about. A community that has the courage to reach across differences and divisions to really listen and dialogue. To learn to take what is broken in our lives and in the lives of our community and to find ways to come together for healing and for wholeness. This is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ. The identity statement of our denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, states this quite clearly. It says, we are Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. For us, as disciples of Jesus, these two things are inseparable. The covenant we make each Sunday as we gather at the Lord's table is our pledge to build God's beloved community. Jesus extends the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed by the sacrifice of his own life, 
the shedding of his own blood for the reconciliation of all. And as we take and eat of the broken bread and drink from the covenant cup, we once again seal our promise before God. We will welcome all just as Christ has welcomed us. We will forgive just as we have been forgiven. We will welcome the stranger because while we were still strangers, God welcomed us. We will love because God first loved us. Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at fccwadsworth.org. There you can find our blog with sermon transcripts and more, as well as information about our church, including our beliefs and history, links to worship and give, and our many ministries with folks of all ages. We hope you'll also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You are welcome here.